0: While you're turning in your scriptures, I, I just want to tell you a story that is that I, th- I think just applies a lot to the journey that we've been on this last couple of years. Um, it's a Walmart story, and uh, you know what? When you're a preacher, you can get a story out of, out of any place. And so uh, this last week, I went to, to Walmart, and as I normally do, I park in the the parking place that is as far away from Walmart as possible. And so I park, and so I don't want anybody parking next to me, and I start making my journey into Walmart. And so I park my truck, and I'm walking into Walmart, and all of a sudden I hear this voice, and I I hadn't walked very far, so I'm still a long ways away from the actual store. And so I hear this voice. This man screams out and says, Hey, buddy, can you help me? And so I I look over, and here's this man, And he's getting out of one of those electric Walmart carts, and he's getting out of one of those carts, and he's about ready to get in his truck, and he says, can you help me? And I'm like, yeah, what do you want? And he says, is there any way you could ride this cart into Walmart farming? (laughs) I'm like, what? He goes, yeah, he goes, I have really bad knees, and I, I, I didn't park in the handicap. You're supposed to take it back and all this other stuff. But if I have to take it back into the store, and, and I'll never make it with my knees. So can you take the cart? Will you ride the cart in for me? And I'm like, oh, I don't know. And he's like, oh, it's easy. You just have to. He started giving me a lesson. You just get in this thing. You, you, man, you just, you just you sit square in the saddle. As long as you sit square in the saddle, it'll go. You push this button, and you just start going. And I said, I don't know. He's like, yeah, you can do it. You can do it. And so, you know what? I did it. <laughs> have you ever ridden one of those things? You can crawl faster than those things go. I mean, I'm, I'm like riding on that thing, and I am crawling into Walmart. I'm watching the sun set, and the moon come up. And, and I'm like, and then, and then I have that moment. I start praying, Lord, please do not let me see any of my friends. They're not near as spiritual as I am. They're not understanding that I'm doing this to minister to this guy and all that other stuff. Please, Lord, please. And I I think I did see some of you guys because some of you guys honked and waved and kind of grinned like, what is up with our pastor? And so you know what happened? I, I didn't make it all the way. I bailed when I got to the handicapped places. I just bailed. I got off the thing and just started, I just, I just started running like I stole it. I mean, I just, (laughs) and I went into the store and, 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 you know why I quit? Because I did that out of guilt. Not out of guilt? I, I didn't want to do it. And I did it out of guilt. Can I? Can I tell you what touches me so deeply about this campaign? We didn't use guilt. If you were with us, you know that. We just simply ask you to ask God what you should give. You give that, and we'll call it good. Because if you ever do anything of guilt, you will not last. You'll quit. You'll give up. And another thing about church relocation projects and capital stewardship campaigns that we've been in. This is the absolute hardest one to do. Because you've been faithfully giving for two years without dirt being moved, steel coming up because you're giving out of faith. Because God called you to. God is deepening our church. This building is not our goal. It's just a tool to reach this city. So this number that you're about ready to see, and I'm not going to hold it out any longer and like idle, hey, after the next commercial break. (laughs) I want to remind you what you pledged, what we pledged together, $3.2 million to be given over three years. And so, now, you know this if, you've been here, if you were here last year. You can't just see this number without a reaction. I mean, we're celebrating what God has done through us, which means there needs to be clapping and a celebration. Okay? So, here's the number. Two million... <laughs> And that's not even through the end of the year. We still have one more month of this year and a special offering to go before we go. And let me tell you something. I am so proud of you. I am so proud to be a part of a faith community that understands what it means to have faith and what it means to trust Him. What it means to start out on a journey, and we all talk that God's going to have to make a way because this project is bigger than any one of us. It's going to take all of us, and we're, we're going to trust Him, and we're going to follow Him. I'll tell you some things that have happened over the course of the last couple of years, just so you know. Uh, so there's the church site, and there's the residential development. We bought 50 acres, and so, uh, so of the residential development... All the approvals from the city, all the permits have been secured. The construction drawings have been completed. Someone can start raising up homes and building on the residential development tomorrow. We've already done all the heavy lifting. There's nothing left to be done for that. We have started, our elders have started the design development phase of the church site, the project, which means we're, we're developing drawings, we're developing pro, uh, costs, we're developing all of those things. And then this next one, I, I just need to give just a little bit of explanation just so you know. In today's financial world, it is a big deal for a church to secure a loan. It is a big deal, especially the loan in which we're talking about. And so when I tell you this number... This is an amazing thing that God has done. We have secured a $6.5 million loan from a, from a, from a lender. That they have approved that. And a lot of that has to do with our stewardship and our sound biblical financial principles and all of those other things. And so the way that we finish this campaign... Is critical. The way we end this campaign this last year, that's why, that's why you restating one last time what you're gonna give. I'm not asking you to up your pledge. And those of you that are new, or maybe you were here and for whatever reason you couldn't you felt like you couldn't pledge when we started this. And so we're we're inviting you in for the last 12 months because the way in which we finish this campaign means everything. And so we know that we need about five million dollars plus a six point five million dollar loan. And God can close that several different ways, where if we, if we, finish, if we finish this campaign somewhere between four and five million dollars, uh, the sale of this existing facility could, could help that, we know from our lender we cannot do both. We, and so God has spoken, because we always wondered that. We know from our lender we cannot develop and sell the residential lots and build the church site all at the same time. So here's what we're doing. We're looking for a developer. Or a group of developers, I mean. So, so let me just let me stop with a little bit. Let me give you an infomercial. If you are a developer and you want to make easy cash, if you're a developer, if you know of a developer, I'm telling you, we got a project we'd like to talk to you about. The permits have been done. The permits are secured. It's the only subdivision in Pueblo. All the permits have been st- secured. All the drawings have been approved that they can build out that subdivision tomorrow. That's a huge We've done the heavy lifting. I wanted to offer it to our church family before we go public. We're going to start making presentations to developers. And so if you are a developer, you know of a developer, but, but one thing that we all can do, we can pray that God raises up a developer because this is a great time in the residential market. And so here's, here's what I'm asking you tonight, just real quickly, is I'm asking you a question. Are you pouring out your life or are you, are you throwing it away? Are you pouring out your life or are you, are you wasting it? I mean, this is two radically different ways to live your life. And a lot of times, a lot of times, wasting your life may be more fun for a season. But it comes with a lot of consequences, And pouring it out sometimes is difficult because it takes, like, commitment and it takes disciplines and all of those other things. And so we may be able to ask this question a different way. Are are you making a difference? See, everybody in life talks about making a difference, but very few people stop and get serious about making a difference in life or in the lives of their family. And the question that we ask around here a lot with our leadership and our pastors is this. If Fellowship of the Rockies doesn't exist, would, would Pueblo be different? If the answer is no, it should like break our hearts and we should cry out to God. Pueblo, Colorado should be different because guess what? Because a faith, uh, faith family is here, because Fellowship of the Rockies is here. I mean, we should live in such a way that we're, we're making Jesus known in this city. In other words, we live to serve a community. We, we, we as a church, we don't not only individually pour out, but we as a church, we, we pour out. Jesus is the one that said, and Paul said, I think it was Acts 20, 35, that that it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. So I just want to walk through a passage that that Paul wrote. It was towards the end of his life, and honestly, for me, it's one of the most convicting passages of the New Testament. In other words, he's asking you to ask yourself the question, does your life really matter? Is your life really making a difference? Are you, like, throwing it away, or are you, are you wasting it, or are you, you you pouring it out? Or are you making a difference? And so this, this is written from a man who had spent his, his last days pouring everything out, and he did it for the glory of God. And so this is what he writes in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6. He says, For I'm already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness which the Lord the righteous judge will award to me on that day and not only to me but also to all who have loved his appearing in other words what he's saying is i'm already being poured out as a drink offering the word poured is like in, in the verb form it's the word that is most frequently associated with a with a priest who would, would would pour out a drink offering which was which was wine and they would take this drink offering and they would, they would pour it out on a burnt sacrifice and when that wine and the sacrifice hit the hot coals there was a steam that came up there was an aroma that came up and Numbers in Exodus tells us this that that aroma was like, like pleasing to the Lord and so what Paul is doing and what Paul is saying is he said I poured my life out and he says I'm still pouring in my life out in other words what Paul is saying Romans 121 and 12 two he says, you know what I'm the drink offering i'm I'm making an excellent offering of my life back to the Lord and so the question is, is does your life look like that and does my life look like that so three things tonight the first one is this that if you want your life to look like that if you want your life to count the first thing is this is pour it out entirely I mean come to the place where you pour it out entirely entirely I mean you know The older I get and now that I have experience on a Walmart cart, (laughs) I am asking myself more and more, am I still radically following Christ like I did in my 20s and my 30s? There's something about the older that we get, the more comfortable that we want to be and we worry more about the future it seems like. And I am asking myself over and over, am am I still radically following him? Am I still radically trusting Him? Am I still pouring my life out like the Apostle Paul did? See, no priest, when you look at this illustration, no priest would ever ever hold back some of the wine. Never. In other words, it would be a, a reproach to God to not pour it all out. And sometimes it was smaller and sometimes it was larger depending on the sacrifice. I get that. I understand that. Regardless of the sacrifice, they would pour it all out. I mean... Paul is using terms from a marathon. Paul is using terms, athletic terms, in his his talk. Sit down with a marathon runner and and you talk to them about running a marathon. They will tell you that if there's anything left in them when they cross the finish line, they did not run a good race. You talk to any athlete and they'll talk to you about leaving it all on the field. They'll talk to you about when they come off the field, when they come off the football field, the basketball court, the tennis courts, the golf course, wherever. When they come off, if there is still any left in the tank, they did not run a, a good race. And Paul is saying, I, I served him that way. And I've given him everything that he's asked me to do. I've given him everything that I possibly could. And we're, we as a church, we're at that moment when we're about ready to do something really, really special. And we're going to do something with excellence in this community that will honor Him. And it's going to take our time, and it's going to take our money, and it's going to take our energy. And this is a great time to start pouring out. This is a great time for you to start pouring it out within our faith community. Because the way in which, the way in which we finish this campaign means everything to us it means everything to this project in other words we're to come to the place and just simply ask like we did two years ago God what do you want me to do what do you want me to do with my time and my talent and my treasure because we can either throw it away or or pour it out it was it was said of it was said of David Cassidy of the of the Partridge family the heartthrob of many women or girls at the time that on his deathbed he looked over at his daughter and his last words were i wasted my life and i'm so sorry it was all about me it was all about my stuff we can either pour it out or throw it away and i i pray You'll begin to pour out your life for him if you're not already doing that. And we pour it out because we understand, like Paul, (laughs) that it's not ours. Some will say, well, well, wait a minute, you don't understand. I, I earned the money. I made the money. But the Bible says that God is the one that gave you the ability to make wealth. God is the one that gave you the talent. God is the one that gave you the mind. And while we're on that subject, if you just look at God, He gave us an excellent offering in the form of His one and only Son, Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of our sins. Philippians 2, that we're going to look at at Christmas Eve, says that Jesus Christ poured Himself out in the form of a servant. He left heaven and poured himself out for us. He gave everything. To where we come to the place and said, Lord, it, it is all yours. You know, and I'm just gonna pour it out for you. The second thing is this. It just leads into the next point. Just pour it out for him. Just pour it out for him. I mean, I get it, I understand. There's a lot of places you can spend your uh you can spend your life, you can pour your life out, you can spend your money. There are a lot of, I mean, there are a lot of great causes. I mean, there there's like there's like tons of GoFundMe accounts, right? It seems like everybody has one. But the Bible says, guess what? There's a difference between good works and, and kingdom works. The Bible says there's a huge difference between kingdom work and, and, and good works. In fact, James says that very clearly. And the local church holds the keys to the kingdom of God. And so there's, there's a million different altars you can pour your life out on. But there is only one that makes an eternal difference in the lives of people. It is a local church. It is this issue of a, of a kingdom work. And when I, when I consider all of the places that I can pour my life in and pour my life out on, it pales in comparison of what I can do for him. That's why Paul said, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7, he says, I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I have kept... The faith. You know what Paul is saying? Paul is saying there is no other altar worth my life that I will live my life for him and I will pour my life out for him. In other words, Paul says that I have fought the the good fight. It means it's a fight, fight worth fighting. I've given my life fighting a fight, the good fight. Not all fights are like good fights, right? I've been around churches long enough to know that churches don't always fight a fight worth fighting. I've seen church fights in other churches over spiritual stuff, over, 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 over things that don't really matter, over preferences. And Paul says, I, I fought a good fight. I focused on, on what matters. That God has planted us here for a reason. And it, it wasn't a cause of anything else other than, than the gospel. I mean, last week, you know, I always have stories about grandkids, but, uh, but last week, Brittany and Corey went to church. They picked, they picked the kids up from church, and Micah, Micah is, Micah's love language is food. Uh... I'm telling you what, as long as you feed that boy, you're, I mean, whoever's feeding him at the time, he, he, you know what? You can do no wrong when you're feeding Micah. I mean, he is in love with you. And so Brittany and Corey went, picked the kids up from, from, uh, from their little Sunday school class or whatever they call it. Got them into the cars. they're making their way to the car, they could tell something was wrong with Micah. They kept asking Micah what was wrong. They could tell him that something was wrong, and, 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 but he wouldn't tell them. They get in the car. They buckle the kids in the, in the car seats. And so Corey, before he pulls out of the church parking lot, says, Okay, Micah, what is wrong with you? And Micah loses it. He starts crying. He starts getting hysterical. And he says, They didn't give me snacks. I want snacks. Our our teacher forgot to give me snacks. I want snacks. And and what makes matters worse is last week he got those orange deals, you know, those cuties. And he's like, this is a church for me for life. I mean, he was like, this is unbelievable. And now this week they, they forgot to give him snacks. And so Micah is like screaming. He's like, they didn't give me snacks. They didn't give me snacks. And then he says, we need to find a new church. I never want to come back. We have got to find a new church. I hate this place i don't like this place they didn't give me snacks and then gavin the older brother who is black and white and logical he is over there losing his mind what we're leaving this church i love this church i love my teacher i mean they're awesome i love my friends i don't want to have to leave my teacher and now all of a sudden they're having a church fight in the car (laughs) over this issue of snacks listen it is not about our preferences it is about the gospel It is about pouring our life out for him. What matters more than anything else is the gospel. Not our preferences, not our likes, and what are our dislikes, but coming to this place to where we just pour our life out for him. Can I tell you? The gospel is the only thing worth really fighting for. The lives of the people in Pueblo, Colorado. That can be changed. See, that's why we have our vision statement in, in said in the way it does, to see people encouraged and forgiven and set free, empowered and serving in the way God designed them. In other words, we pour our life out for him. And we don't give him any leftovers. We give him our first, our first. Man, let me let me just tell you. And I said this when we started this campaign. Don't give to faith because I ask you to or because the church needs it it's not the right motivation you won't last you do it because God spoke to you you do it because you've come to the place in your life says, you know what I'm going to pour my life out for him and I'm going to see what he does in my life I'm pouring it out on that altar. Man, the greatest thing you can do is give your life away for, for him. Karen and I, we, we were just talking about this today, and in very personal terms, and let me let me just say this. Our discussion was you can't outgive God. We know what we've committed to this campaign. We know what we're doing financially towards this campaign. And I've talked to many of you. He says, you know what? You just cannot outgive him. Unbelievable what God has done in my life when I committed to him. The last thing is this, is just pour it out now. Just pour it out now. There's no time like the present. Second Timothy verse, chapter 4, verse 6, For I'm already being poured out as a drink offering. And the time of my departure has has come. Now a lot of times when we see that word departure we we, we think of death. we think Paul is talking about his death, but there but that's not the true meaning of this word departure. It means literally to untie the ship from the dock and to let it sail. It really means this just to just to just to let go and just to trust him when when you look at this issue, where's is the safest place? where is the safest place for for ships? I mean, It's the harbor, right? But do you build ships to stay in a harbor? Absolutely not. Where's the safest place for an airplane? A hangar. But you spend that kind of time and money for an airplane and just let it sit in a hangar where where it's it's safe? Planes were meant to fly and ships were meant to sail. And listen, you were not made and blessed to do nothing. Then you were made and you were created. To just pour it out for Him and just see what He would do in your life. And even though you may think that is the safest place is in the harbor. But I'm telling you, the safest place is to untie and to let it go. Man, to commit and say, you know what, I'm going to do something with my life that I've never done before. I'm going to be part of something that's bigger than myself. Really and truly, when I look back in 2013, you know what we did together? We untied the ship from the dock. We bought bought and paid cash for the land. We received the necessary approvals from the city. We pledged to a three-year campaign, knowing that God will have to make a way for us as we trust Him. We started giving and praying. We completed the residential development, the drawings. They're construction ready. Someone can start... Immediate. I mean, they are marketable, and we have secured a 6.5 million loan. We've started design and development drawings. And we understand the only way this can happen: if we continue to do our part and trust him to do his part. We made a decision together as a faith community, as a church. That we're untied from the dock. We're going to let it go, and we're going to sail. This is what God's people do. We didn't have all the answers. We don't even have all the answers now. We just know that he has all the answers and that we can trust him. See, this could be your personal moment. There are things that maybe God is calling you to do right now that maybe you're thinking, you know what, it's time to let it go. It's time to untie the ship that I've been tied to the dock way too long playing it safe listen you weren't blessed to sit at the dock look at this Paul says the reward is the last thing he said henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness which the Lord the righteous judge will award to me on that day and not only to me but also to all who have loved his appearing. Paul is saying it is worth it all when he considered what was waiting for him one day. Paul was living his life not for an earthly reward, but for an eternal reward. There's five crowns in the New Testament. We don't have time to go through them. But can I just tell you this? It's not the crown that Paul was excited about. It was the one who would be presenting it to him. It it was about the one that would give it to him. It would be about the one who would look into his eyes and say, well done, my good and faithful servant. As your pastor, I promise you, you will not regret the day you see him. You will not regret one penny that you have given to him or how you have served him. You may regret the things you haven't done. It is my prayer on that day that you were proud that you were part of Fellowship of the Rockies. I have never been a fan of guilt-based campaigns. But I just want to encourage you tonight, there is a joy in being part of this. I have talked to so many of you and answered so many emails from people that have told me the joy and the excitement and how God has blessed them of being part of this campaign. As our worship team comes up, I'm just going to tell you a a quick story as they make their way up. Uh, This last week I was reading a uh, a lot of different articles, which which I normally do, and I read this article about a study that was done on, on furniture last year. The study was 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 how long do, do people keep the how long do people keep the furniture before they take it to goodwill or put it on or put it on, on Craigslist. Not only how long do, do people keep it, but also what kind of furniture do, do like people keep people keep the longest. And I think you'll be surprised. I know I was surprised that of all the furniture they keep, or all the furniture they keep the longest. What surprised me was the furniture they keep the longest is not the highest quality and not the highest rated. You know the furniture that people keep the longest? Ikea. Yeah, that surprised me too. It's not the highest quality in furniture at all. But here's what they found when they pressed into that. That when you buy a piece of furniture from Ikea, you have so much sweat equity and just put trying to put the darn thing together <laughs> that you're tied to it emotionally you're invested in it and the more you put into something the more valuable it becomes and so just just here's my heart i want you to feel like you're a part of this that it's a joy to be a part of this so whatever level you can I'm asking you to join us in this campaign. I'm asking you to join us in this campaign and say, you know what? We're gonna untie the ship from the dock with Fellowship of the Rockies. And we're just gonna trust him to see what he can do. So in, in your bulletin, and some of you may have already come with your commitment cards prepared, and if you have, that, that is okay. But in your bulletin is a is a faith promise card just like this and so if you decide to do this and you decide to join us then you'll just simply on the bottom portion just fill it out put your name and your address and your phone number and your email and then you write a number in there the total commitment that you'd like to give for the remainder of the faith campaign starts in January 12 months and I've answered this question hundreds of times that if you're married and you and your spouse come up with two different numbers, which number do you take? You always take the highest number. And so uh, so you simply write that number in, and then you let us know how you will give that, whether it's weekly, bimonthly, monthly, annually. We just need that information. And then you tear it off, and then for yourself, the part you keep is my commitment, and you write that number in stick it in your Bible or a safe place so you can pray and you can, you can remember that. So that's all we're asking you to do. So we're about ready to take up this offering. It's not only going to be our commitment cards but it's going to be a financial offering. If God has led you to do that, some of you it's to catch up. Others of you, God has blessed you and say, I just want to give over and above. That's okay, too. And so our worship team is going to lead us as the baskets come by in a few moments and as we give. So let me pray. Father, we thank you for today. Father, we thank you for your love and we thank you for your grace. Father, we thank you. Lord, we just thank you for what you're doing through this church, the lives of these people, their commitment. Father, I just want you to know, I've told you how much I love them. That we're invested in, we're in kingdom work together. And we're doing this in faith. So we pray for a developer, a group of developers that come alongside of us. We're praying that, that you just make a way. Father, we know this project is bigger than any one of us. Fact is, this project is so so big, when we walk into this facility one day, this community will say, only God, only God could have done that. And we'll give you the honor and the glory forever. So, Father, would we feel your presence as we make these commitments, as we give of this offering. For we ask these things in Jesus' name, amen.